0: 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.
1: At center ice, it's Connor McDavid. He's got
2: Darrell Walker, and he's got some room
1: down the sidelines. McDavid to Eberle. Dishes off. To the 30, 20, 10, 5. Score! Touchdown, Eskimos!
0: home for breaking news on your favorite teams this is inside sports with reed wilkins on the voice of your edmonton oilers and eskimos 630 chat
1: the friday night of a long weekend and inside sports is on location what could possibly go wrong Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. I hope you have a great long weekend ahead of you. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. And I am stationed at the Terwilliger Rec Center for the annual Family Day Classic. Always a, a great tournament featuring uh, minor hockey teams uh, for, oh, we got novice got uh, Novice Bantam, Peewee, So it's going to be a lot of fun. Steve Sardakny, Stard- one of the organizers, will join us in a few minutes. You're going to hear from Kelly Rudy. Tonight he makes his weekly appearance on the show. We'll go to Regina and check in with Jamie Knight. What, I'm really curious about this Vince Young story, uh, him possibly coming back to play for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We'll catch up with Heather Nedwin as well, who is, uh, I, I guess you call her a co-skip. It's a pretty interesting situation. Her and Shannon Kleibrink uh, co-skipping the uh, Alberta team that will be playing at the Scotties. We'll let you know how that. Happened. Always have time to hear from you. You can text us at 6:30, 6:30. The phone number is 780-496-0063. The Oilers practiced at the uh, community rink downtown today because the Garth Brooks concert setup was uh, continuing to go on. It actually started last night while Rob and I were doing overtime open line. Pretty much once they got the teams off the ice and they uh, got the rink flooded. They had uh, people coming on there to put the flooring over top of the ice for that surface and then, you know, doing the stage and all that kind of stuff. So it's amazing how quickly they they get at it and how quickly they can turn around the rink. Yeah, uh, what is it, nine shows for Garth Brooks? Man, that's incredible. I think he's doing two tomorrow, isn't he? Four this weekend and then five coming up or five and then four. But it's it's pretty incredible uh, what he's doing and the response by all of you who are going to the concert as well. So uh, the Oilers, though on the road for the rest of the month six game road trip starts tomorrow in Chicago after getting six goals last night walking in left side, Hendricks, reach, shot score broken stick off the draw, Couturier doesn't have a twig and now a shot, pumped in Beautiful play. Cutting in front by Leon Dreisaitl. Timer Larson. That's deflected high in the air. Tear off the glass to Maroon. Right corner. Back behind the net. McDavid on his backhand. Threw it in front. Backhander, score. Jordan Everly Set up by Kajula. Now a point shot. drive A deflected home. Nugent Hopkins had the screen in front. And Edmonton builds a 4-1 lead. Hendricks. Kicked it to McDavid, back to Klefbom, winds it, fires, scores! Oscar Klefbom with goals in back-to-back games. Stood up there by McDavid and Maroon, and now Eberle breaks free. Drop pass, McDavid to the net, re-shot, scores! And that'll put it away. So there's all the damage from last night. Six different goal scorers. Jack Michaels with the call. And uh, what a turnaround it's been. A couple weeks ago, we are wondering if and when the Oilers were going to break out. Now they put up five against the Coyotes, six more against the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, after practice today, I asked Todd McClellan about the explosion of goals after going dry for a while.
0: 82 games is a long, long year. And... Uh, the best offensive teams, even in the history, and we had many of them here in, in Edmonton. Uh, I'm sure there was times where it went dry, and sometimes it's not clicking for you. But um, you know, fortunately for us, the last uh, what is it, five periods, we've been able to find goals. Um, we've scored in and around the blue paint, which is something we weren't doing uh, in prior games. So those are all real good signs. Um, we just got to keep it going. We talk a little bit more at this time of the year about scoring those those playoff-type goals. They're not going to be pretty. They're not going to be uh, highlight reel goals, but there'll be a lot of work and grinding that goes into it.
1: Well, and, and that's really what the Oilers are trying to focus on. Shirelli has mentioned it in his availabilities going back to last year, and, and McClellan is starting to talk more about it now as the playoffs become more and more of a reality here as the Oilers get into the final 24 games of their season, and th- those playoff-style goals, and, and they aren't always pretty. Sometimes you get a bounce. Sometimes you outmuscle someone in front. you got to make sure you're in the right place at the right time, and I, I would put four of the six goals last night – in that category. I know the cleft bomb shot was a long-range shot, but the Oilers had worked hard on that shift and, and were able to keep the puck in, and they had traffic in front even though it wasn't a person in front who actually got the goal. Yeah, you had Everly in front getting a goal. You had Nugent Hopkins in front. You know, hey, he got a bounce, but he's in the right place to get it, and uh, certainly Dreisaitl's going to the net. Matthew Benning, by the way, does, this, does he just not continue to impress you? Uh, I mean, the four-on-four hockey, and he has made passes like that before where he's able to buy himself a little bit of space and put a sharp pass right in front of the net. He, I mean, he may have the best pure offensive instinct of, of any Oilers defenseman currently on the roster. He's not going to get the point total of secker or Cleft bombing, but I think just in terms of raw instincts and the ability to recognize plays and read plays, he he may he may have the most raw ability in that category. They got the Hendricks goal off the rush. Fair enough, you know, horrible goal for Neuvert, but Hendricks was taking the shot, and then they got a turnover at center ice, and McDavid scored on the counterattack to uh, to round it out. And he does, of course, lead the league in scoring, though Crosby will have a chance to uh, pass him again tonight. The Penguins taking on the Blue Jackets. Columbus up one nothing early in the second period. Also, the Avalanche lead the Hurricanes 1-0. nothing. is late in uh, the first period. Todd McClellan talked a few days ago about showing players opportunities around the blue paint looking at some video showing okay here's guys who are around the blue paint for chances here are guys who uh who can get there a little more
0: it's our job as a staff just to to keep the players informed of what's going on in their own game and and team wise and um sometimes they need to be re- reminded we're human beings and and uh, we get away from uh from the hard stuff and we we like shortcuts, it doesn't matter if you're a hockey player or or doing anything else in life, Um, so we we reminded the players, we showed them where they've been shooting from and where their second chances are coming from individually and then collectively and they've obviously um, paid attention and uh, put it into play, now once they get away from it again we'll have to remind them again.
1: Yeah, well, and that's the coach's job, right? I mean, players do get away from tendencies, even even the good tendencies. So I, I think that's what happened a bit with the Oilers, and and now they're they're. If you get around the net, then then you can the skill comes into factor as well. And I thought Everly's goal proved that. I, I mean, he's been maybe the poster boy for some of the criticism of the team not getting enough action around the net, and he was able to do that tonight. And then once he's in tight, then his skill can take over, and he's able to roof that puck where. There was kind of that delayed reaction where people weren't sure whether it went in or not. So a couple of encouraging games. I still think February is going to... I mean, well, they're only 3-3. Three and three, So, but, you know, when you look back on the season, I think November and February are going to be the two months where you say the Oilers' record wasn't quite... Uh, up to where it was in the other months. They got through February 5, 8, and 2. That included a five-game losing streak, and that was a true losing streak where they didn't even get any of the uh, the loser points. And I think there's that potential for February as well just because now they have these, these games coming up on the road. But they have been a good road team. I think 500 is a realistic goal, so you can get through February with hopefully 12 points in 12 games, and then you launch into March where you started off with eight consecutive games at home, And uh, they're asserting themselves a little more on home ice than they were earlier in the season. And I I think these challenges are great. I I mean, I I know it's funny. Rob, Somebody called Rob and I last night and said, well, when are they going to clinch a playoff spot? You know, how how much danger are they of of them not getting in? Quite frankly, guys, and I'm not trying to sound arrogant or cocky here, and I, I don't believe in jinxes. Yeah, the Oilers are going to make the playoffs. I, I mean, the only way they don't get in is if there's a catastrophe. And there is a chance of that happening. Um, and, of course, injuries can can factor in. But, I mean, they're, they're closer to the division lead than they are to not being in the playoffs. And, I, I mean, they'd have to have a couple of teams at least pass them for them to be knocked out of contention and if they can just keep chipping away at points th- those other teams are going to run out of games clinching is a- a- clinching is going to take a while because it, Rob made the point last night even if you're 13 points up on somebody and there are 7 games left you have not clinched so you're not going to see that little magic X next to the Oilers in the standings probably for quite a while even if, even if they keep doing well but they're definitely uh, on the right direction Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, discussing the blue paint chances he got a bit of a funny goal Last night off his skate.
3: Yeah, he kind of talked a little bit about that, and uh, when we were going through that little bit of a goal drought, there uh, wasn't enough chances right in front of the uh, in front of the net, like second, third opportunities. and uh, We were still getting a lot of shots, but um, I mean, where we've scored a lot of our goals this season is from those second opportunities right in front of the net. So uh, we we showed it the past couple games that we're going there hard, and uh, we worked on it in practice uh, two days straight. So. Um, it's something that we uh, we know we need to do to uh, be able to score in this league.
1: But, uh, I mean, your goal was maybe a perfect... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong,
3: it almost looked like you weren't sure it was yours at first, or...? Yeah, I kind of just got a really nice bounce off the foot, so um, I was ready to... because I kind of saw it go. Uh, it was going to... looks like it was going to go wide, so I started almost to go to the corner and uh, just bounced off the foot, so yeah, it's just uh, another one that's uh, just right in front of the net, and I mean uh, definitely when you go... Uh, Uh, When you go put yourself in front, uh, good things happen. All right, so that's Ryan
1: Nugent Hopkins. Now tomorrow, the Chicago Blackhawks will be coming off their bye. Teams coming off the bye have not done well this season. When the Oilers came off theirs, they didn't do well. They didn't do well coming off the All-Star break either. Here's Nugent's thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, we definitely uh, uh, need to have that in our minds, that we need to have a good start. And, um, I mean, th- it's a tough building to play in, for sure, but um, at the same time, I think uh, when we played them after our five-day break, we had a lot of energy, uh, we-, we felt pretty good, our-, our timing was just a little bit off, so um, I think that's kind of what uh, hurts teams a little bit, so uh, if their timing is off, then we got to take advantage of that and uh, make sure we start out uh, really hot there. All right, so Oilers and Blackhawks on
1: 6.30, Chet. Tomorrow, 3.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 5.00. More Oilers talk and hockey talk with Kelly Rudy coming up between 6.30 and 7.00. We'll focus on uh, why we're here, why I'm at the Terwilliger Rec Center, the Family Day Classic. Steve Stradakney will sit down with me in a few minutes. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet.
0: This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet.
1: Matt Hendricks on a tear, goals in consecutive games, Oilers and Blackhawks tomorrow. My name is Reed Wilkins, you're listening to Inside Sports on 630 yeah. As I am, Oh, I like the Def Leppard there, bringing him back just for a little bit of an encore. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kellan, could people hear that, or was that just me?
3: Yeah, that was me. I'm uh, Okay.
1: No, that's okay. That's a good track. Uh, Steve Sirdakney jo- Sir joins me. The founder of the Family Day Classic. It's here at the
2: Terwilliger Rec Center. Thanks for having me down again. Well, Reed, we really appreciate uh, you and all your support, and especially 6:30 Chet and Chorus, amazing partners uh, in this event, and greatly appreciated. All right, how how many years is this now for the tournament? This is the seventh year. Seventh of the tournament. year, yeah. And how many awesome. teams we got going? We have uh, 82 teams Man. and 14 1400 plus players. Uh, As you can see, uh, thousands of people uh, watching their kids play hockey. It's amazing. All right, so we're going to do is it Novice, Adam,
1: Pee Wee? Bantam, yeah, correct. Those so are the we got four. Okay. Those are the
2: four age categories, and within uh, within those age categories, from the novice through bantam, eighty two teams are represented, and uh, with a strong contingent from the Edmonton and uh, Southern Alberta, and throughout the entire province. And the, the nice thing about this event, it has the highest of high from the PWAA down to. Uh, Tier, tier 14, so everybody that gets an opportunity to to experience the format and experience the the excitement of this tournament.
1: Well, I, I love how you strict because every, every team gets at least four games, right? Absolutely. And I know sometimes coaches will, will tell me, you know, oh, I went to a tournament and we only played twice on a weekend or something. And is it all four-on-four, four, so it's pretty fast-paced?
2: Absolutely, and, uh, you know, teams play a minimum of four games uh, through the weekend at the beautiful Twilliger Recreation Center in South Edmonton. The city of Edmonton did a fantastic job on this. But what makes the format so special is is what the ice time is what you do with the ice time rather than the traditional 10 minute warm-up and the 15 minute flood between games um the game is played in two 25 minute halves so the kids actually play uh, 50 minutes of game time which uh with reed at the younger levels they play like 13 minute periods usually right so they really get to maximize their time and there's really minimal disruptions hockey canada rules but uh, rather than face-offs um Teams fall back, uh, and then they continue the attack. If there is a penalty called, uh, which are all shot out as penalty shots at the end of the game, uh, so it's always four on four. And as you as you can see right in front of you, it's uh, end to end, high octane hockey, very similar to, I guess, what people are getting uh, a chance to see at Rogers this past week.
1: You know, I, I love that penalty shot format. I tell you that every year. So there's no power plays. The penalty shots are just taken at the end of every game. So that that could really factor in the final. A result. Steve, tell us a little bit about, because uh, I mean, I'm looking at a sign right over there, the Stollery, obviously very important. Tell us a little bit about the fundraising about how that gets done, because that's a pretty cool story.
2: Yeah, well, first and foremost, uh, the Stollery Children's Hospital is uh, one of the closest, you know, most important things to my heart and in the community, being a father of four, and uh, also seeing how it impacts the community and it impacts the children, that it helps. It is the most amazing facility, world-class facility, and we are very, very fortunate to have it within our community. And it doesn't just make a difference for all the youth in our community. The neighboring provinces lean very heavily on this facility, and people don't realize this, the research, the innovation, the, uh, the projects that they have. Is just second to none. You know, there's a, there's a boy in the tournament, and some might be familiar with him. His name's Ethan Hughes. Great hockey family. Their uh, kids play in Wisconsin as well as in Portland. And their younger one was diagnosed, uh, uh, you know, with some cancer. And it was very, very serious. And uh, the Stollery was able to catch it, able to create treatment. And as he's going through his treatment, because of the technology of the Stollery, the oncology, and all the different incredible docs and programs they have there, he's playing in this tournament. Yeah which, you know, not too many months ago, it it would be impossible for somebody to do that. And he felt it was important that he was here and his team were here to support and raise funds for the stallery, but also to raise awareness of what's happening. And the nice thing about this format... um, it's a non-contact format through all different aspects and when we founded this tournament people said four on four non-contact well as you know uh, minor hockey's changed significantly to almost match it's almost like we foresaw what was happening and uh, it's just really neat to see.
1: Steve Serdakni joining us we're at the Family Day Classic at the Terwilliger Rec Center. Now the kids uh, the, the kids do some fundraising themselves and
2: plus there's the silent auction stuff which is right in front of us? Absolutely so we ask every participant of the, over the 1400 participants and players it's not how much they raise? It's more about teaching children to think about others, to care about others, and to raise awareness, and hopefully some funds for the stallery. And you know, uh, we ask the kids to try their very best to try to re- reach a hundred-dollar target, but that's not really what it's about. Uh, the, the kid that fills his sheet up with twenty-seven dollars of donations—that he got two dollars at a time, five dollars at a time, or hundred dollars at a time—it's it's the spirit of teaching these young kids to give back, think, to think about others. So that's a that's a giant part of this tournament. The hockey is the, an amazing part, but it's teaching the kids in the community to think about others, to think about how lucky they are to play in this tournament, and also to promote active living through the best sport in the world, hockey. And that's what we do, and uh, that's one aspect. And we have the most amazing, uh, I'm going to say it, the, the best auction, uh, silent auction yeah, in it's, the city. It's outstanding. Anything and anything that anybody could want from Windermere, uh, Blackhawk, Edmonton Country Club, uh, Uh, Millwoods, every golf course you can imagine, there's packages, there's jerseys from the latest superstars, the McDavid's, the Matthew's, the Mariners, to to some of the veterans like the Solani Heritage Classic jersey. It's just an amazing event, and you know we're very proud that uh, Stollery Children's Hospital has embraced us as one of their signature events, and it's, 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 uh, it's an important awareness, and it's an important activation tool for what's happening. And what makes me proud of it even more is hockey is the most amazing thing, and uh, a beneficiary of this tournament beyond the Stollery is Hockey uh, Edmonton, and they've been a great partner in supporting this event, and we provide free development for players throughout the city, and it's an ongoing program that's happening, yeah. and a and great cause is like the Hockey Alberta Foundation, every kid, every community, getting kids to play, to get the opportunity to have equipment that maybe don't have the means to experience the game and come to the game, so this is about... Beautiful things at the hospital, but also growing and encouraging young players to play the game of hockey, which is the world's greatest game—not just for fitness and exercise and well-being, but uh, for proactive health.
1: Yeah, well, and the the silent auction is great, and uh, it's—I mean, it's not just the families and players that can come. If fans want to come just watch and and walk through the silent auction stuff, that's a great reason to come down as well. Okay, before I I let you go, just, you know, some context to the volunteers involved and some of the
2: other organizations that are helping out. Well, first and foremost, I have to say a big thank you to the organizing committee that do an amazing job, but the hundreds of volunteers that take their family day weekend, you know, we've got Oilers, we've got Garth Brooks, who we all love. We love Garth, and we know what he does, but they, they volunteer their holiday weekend And we're basically going from 7 a.m. to 10 o'clock at night through the weekend with hundreds and hundreds of games going on. But we have incredible partners that have been with us for a very long time with this event. ATB Financial, um, one of the cornerstones in the community. John Winwick and the team, they support kids, they support the hospital and us. More importantly, they support hockey in so many ways in our community and we can't make things happen. Stu McAnders at Dolce Vita Homes, the, the first guy to step forward and just an incredible man and an incredible company that uh, does wonderful things in the community From a, and a great hockey family. Murray's Trucking has been here since day one, seven years ago when we asked them to be involved. Not only do they corporately sponsor, they work behind Chantal and Gerard, work behind the Counter for 12 hours, just behind the silent auction, um, I have to give an incredible shout out to Demores Mercado. It's an incredible Italian uh, Italian bistro on uh, 99th Street and 46th Avenue. They feed hundreds of volunteers every year at an incredible cost that keeps the energy going. It's the most amazing, fresh, authentic, handcrafted food I've ever had. I strongly recommend you you take care of them. Uh, drive force, I, I have to say, from cube vans to donations to everything that they do, they're a, they're a pillar in the community. Boston Pizza, who uh, step up and give prizing, and you know you know I can't say enough about Tracy Martin, dancer, actney. Patrick Dumali uh, and all of our committee and all the support the solary gives to this event. And what I would ask is, is they can go to familydayclassic.com to find out information how to become involved or to donate. We have a Twitter handle, at Classic and we would love all your listeners, read to, to, to join and to, to support what's happening. And we would we'd love to see people come down here. It's an amazing way, balloon, balloon making, face painting, uh, hockey activities, prizes. Xbox, NHL, like anything that you want to do with your family uh, in a great family environment over the Family Day weekend is here.
1: Steve, thanks so much for dropping by. All the best with the weekend. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Steve Serdakni is the founder of the Family Day Classic, and he mentioned the website FamilyDayClassic.com. We're here until 8 o'clock, and you'll hear from Kelly Rudy when we get back inside sports on Chet.
0: From New Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630
1: Chet. Ask me for free agent signings senior. yesterday for the Edmonton Eskimos. You can find out more about those on the Eskimos page on six thirty ched Thank you so much for joining us tonight at six thirty five. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports, live from the Terwilliger Rec Center. It is the annual Family Day Classic. We just had founder and chairman Steve Serdakny on the show, and he talked about the you know fourteen hundred players involved, all the money raised for the uh, Stollery Children's Hospital. So it's an incredible event and uh, they're raising money throughout the weekend. It goes through until Monday. Uh, it's tons of silent auctions here. There's a massive table uh, right in front of me with a whole bunch of jerseys and pictures. Another one just over my right shoulder as well. So, and, and it's some really fun minor hockey action going on uh, going on as well. Four on four tournament, no whistles. Goalie covers the puck. He just the other team retreats and he frees up the puck and away you go. So, pretty fast paced, fun games to watch uh, as well. Hey, uh, every week on Inside Sports, we are joined by. Former NHL goaltender now with the NHL on Rogers, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic,
4: Reed. I just landed here in Toronto and made my way to the uh, hotel in my room. I'm going to watch a little bit of hockey uh, tonight. Uh, the Penguins and the Blue Jackets, that's a pretty good rivalry. So I've got a good night. And if you follow me on Twitter, you might uh, see later on, I might uh, show you where I've gone for dinner, which I haven't chosen yet. So I'm not sure. Leaning towards sushi or sashimi, though.
1: Oh, I do love the sushi. I've really gotten it for oh. for a couple of guys who grew up in Western Canada. eh? we we sure have <laughs> we sure have gotten soft.
4: <laughs> oh, totally. Well, other than my uh, because I grew up in a Ukrainian household, and other than uh, the Ukrainian food, I think that uh, sushi's happens to be my favorite now.
1: Yeah, it's really grown on me the last few years. That's uh, that, that's good stuff. Now, do you have a favorite spot? Because you get to travel a lot. Do you have spots in each city, or do you try to pick something new every time you go?
4: You know. Uh, This is kind of sad. You know what? If I were a better traveler, I would find newer places and, you know, try different uh, restaurants and different scenes and all that. I am so, I don't know if it's my OCD or whatever it is, and I'm not making fun of that. My kids now tease me about that, that I go to the same places all the time. I've got about, uh, here in Toronto, I've got... On my list, about 10 or 12 great restaurants that I go to kind of in a rotation. And this, this one sushi place, if you've ever gone to Toronto, I recommend it to all uh, Edmontonians. It's called Key. It's spelled just K-I. It's downtown in the Financial District. And it, it might be as good a sushi as you'll find anywhere in the world. And I put it up there with Nobu in New York City, which is one of the world's famous uh, sushi places. So it's that good. It's just spectacular.
1: All right. Well, there you go. A little bit of food review from uh, Kelly Rudy tonight. Uh, let's let's switch to the hockey talk here. Uh, a story this week going into that Oilers Flyers game was the uh, the Brandon Manning Connor McDavid feud. I, I felt silly calling it a rivalry, so I kind of settled on feud. I thought that was a fair enough word. Uh, That's a better Pat, word. Yeah, Patrick Maroon said it, it's done with now. Uh, you know the the Flyers are, and the you know, Dave Haxtell complimented Manning last night, but. Uh, I'm just wondering how you looked at that and if that brings back any memories of guys you just never got along with on opposing teams, no matter what.
4: Well, I would agree with, first of all, how you referred to it as a feud. And for me, oftentimes, I would have a a short feud with somebody. So it wouldn't last, like, years and years. and, And it never certainly got to the point where my entire career I hated somebody. But there were situations where clearly you get ramped up and you do stupid things. I'll tell you a couple of stupid things I did, and then I'll tell you a couple of stories in the NHL, but I guess it might have been I can't recall if it was 2009 or 2008 in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was right around there anyways. And I'm making my way to some arenas, and I bumped into a couple of guys that I know well from playing against them in junior, and then they're still in the hockey community. So I first run into Barry Trotz, and at that time he's coaching Nashville, and he shares a story about how he is so mad at me, and and for good reason. He's playing in Regina, I'm playing in Medicine Hat, and we used to have these major league brawls with them and everything, and I used to lose my mind, and I'm not proud of it. In fact, I'm kind of ashamed of it, uh, that I used to kick people, and I didn't know it. I used to kick people with my goalie skates on, and it, it like it's stupid and so Barry rolls up his, his pant leg and on his cap. He's still got a wicked scar from where I kicked him. And so I'm reeling from this story. And then a few months later I run into uh, Troy Loney, that uh, longtime Pittsburgh penguin and we used to play against each other when he was in Lethbridge, and he tells me the same thing out of the blue. It's not like I said, Man, I'm feeling kinda of down in the dust, just out of the blue he's walking with his son, he goes, See hey son, remember that story I told about that goalie that used to be goal? He goes, Well that's him and I, Oh my God! So I'm I'm terrified about that. But then I'm mean, when you sent me the text, today, I'm thinking, well, certainly I've had some pretty nasty battles, and we used to say some pretty crazy things. So I'm thinking to one battle I had. Remember a guy by the name of Mike Eagles? He uh, he was a, a pretty rugged centerman that uh, I recall we had a lot of battles when he was playing for the Winnipeg Jets. So we're in L.A. one time, and he and I are jabbing each other pretty good, and I gave him a one really good shot, and of course there's only one official back then. So nobody saw it, and I'm thinking I'm pretty cool, and I've got my good lick in. Well, there's about two minutes left in the third period. There's a gold goldmouth str- uh, scramble right in front of me, and he makes it look like he's going for the puck, and he spears me right in that region you don't like to get hit in. And oh my god, I went down like a ton of bricks, And and then he just started killing himself laughing and said something about how he's going to get even, and he got it, and he got a shot in. And, and we ch- chuckled, in fact, this year at the outdoor game in Winnipeg about that play, because it's all forgotten now. But lastly, here's how ruthless it can be. And and last night we saw it with the Oilers and with Philadelphia, and there, it kind of spills over. But there are certain guys that you just don't like. And there was a player, I've got to be very vague, because he at the time he was an extremely popular and well-respected player, but... For whatever reason, I thought he was kind of arrogant. So we're playing in a building, and he's standing right in front of me. And I've just kind of think this through so I don't say any bad words, any swear words, because there's some <laughs> swear words exchanged. And, and I don't want to say his name because I said his name in the conversation. So anyway, the play's in my end. He's standing in front of me for a deflection or a rebound. And his defenseman, the guy had a great shot. He winds up, fires a, a shot from the point. Just before it gets to us, it hits somebody in front and deflects right into the guy's mouth. Like, it's gruesome. So it, we all hear the official blows the, the play down because he knows how badly injured this guy is. He's down on all fours in front of me. Blood, and I'm literally, blood and teeth just gush. Some of his teeth are on the ice in front of him, and it's just gross. And But I didn't like the guy, right? So here's how vicious it can be. So, again, whistle blows. I bend over. I look right at him. He he sees me standing kind of bent over, hunched over, looking at him. He he. I could tell from his facial expression he thought I was going to say something sympathetic. And I, I looked right at him. I said, and I, this is where it, you, I've cleaned it up, of course. I go, hey, looks good on you. So then he was furious at me, right, because now I've, I've just said how – how that gruesome injury was, I was really happy that it happened, so years later, we're walking, I'm walking in an NHL hallway just myself, and uh, then at the far end, the doors open, and who walks down the hallway by himself? That same player, so I didn't know what to do, right? So I'm thinking, should I turn around and go back, or what, so I ended up walking towards him, and I stuck out my hand to shake his hand, and he just kept walking, wasn't going to shake my hand, so that one might be still lingering, but Anyway, how's that for truth and uh,
1: truth and stories? Well, I just think you're mean now, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I mean,
4: I'm not actually ashamed that what I said to that guy, but I, I am ashamed by how I used to kick people out. You should get suspended for that.
1: Yeah, but but yeah, well, that's that's obviously uh, that's obviously frowned upon. Well, well, thanks for those were revealing stories. I, I appreciate that, and uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure the, the uh, listeners appreciate the the peek behind the uh, the, the curtain as well. Um, I, I got to ask you something else though about some of the suspensions this week, and, and as you know. I, I do the uh, the Oilers broadcast with Rob Brown, and he was as upset as I've ever seen him about Nyquist getting six games. Uh, now I guess we will see because there's a, an appeal involved. But but the the Nyquist one, I, I think Kelly is hard for a lot of people to swallow that it was you know only six games in the view of a lot of people, including me. Yeah. I, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I I don't if if they want to cut stuff like that out. Don't you have to punish that player? I mean, why why does I, I, he have the right to come back so soon?
4: I would agree. Um, I would I would also argue that that one could it could be twenty games. I know the PA would challenge that and uh, or appeal that situation, but I think the message has to be sent. That was a terrible. Play by Nyquist. I, and in fact, I just walked in my hotel room and they're playing it on Sportsnet and I saw a different angle, one that I hadn't seen before, and it really solidified what I originally thought. I thought that is just, that's a terrible action. I, I, I have no idea why he would ever do that. He, that's not how he plays. I mean, he's not like that, but I guess he is now that he's done it. So that one, and the Vermette, I personally believe that you cannot under any circumstance. Touch an official. And I don't care that pe- some people have said it's just a love tap. I think it's, it was harder than that. But more so, the officials have to remain protected. And under no circumstance, no matter how frustrated you might become, no matter how mad you might be at an official, you cannot touch them. They're, they're, that's not uh, uh, something that you should even consider ever. And
1: that, that's not only the NHL level, it's at any level of hockey. So, I just, I asked Rob this too, it, it, and the, the PA will often go to bat for the offender. And I'm yes. just confused, why don't they go to bat for the victim? I mean, I know the suspended guy, whatever, loses salary or, or anything, but but a guy who's really hurt by a dirty act, he, he could lose his career. I mean, if it seems to me if I were in the PA... I I would want the offenders to be cracked down on, not not defended.
4: Right, I I totally agree with that, and that's a, an argument that's been made before, and one that I agree with. But why are you uh, why are you giving this the offender all your full support, and the other person's just left out on a limb and and has to accept whatever happened? So uh, I don't understand it myself. Um, so I, I, I don't know what the, the actual solution would be, uh, how to rectify that, because I guess both players are PA members, and so they both deserve some sort of uh, support, uh, which I don't understand or get the
2: same way.
1: Yeah, that's one that's going to be debated. It, it just it just seems yeah. so inconsistent uh, yeah. with uh, with a lot of the fans, I think. But uh, it is good that Spurgeon is. I mean, he didn't. Lose yeah. an eye or, or suffer an injury that's going to keep him out or anything like that. Kelly, uh, enjoy the rest of the uh, Blue Jackets Penguins game. Hockey Day in Canada is going to be fun tomorrow. Big one for the Oilers yeah. and uh, and the Blackhawks, and we'll talk to you again next week. You got it. Thanks, Reed. Yeah, thanks, Kelly. Showing his dark side tonight. Man, so a, a, a rival on another team was spewing blood and teeth, and he went and stood over top of him and mocked the. Tell you what, let's have a little bit of fun here. You can text 63630. You will remain anonymous, even if you're a regular texter and I know you. I will not use any names tonight. Has there ever been a player in any sport that you have been glad to see get injured? This is a dark question. We're, we're going over to the dark side here. Text 63630. If you want to phone in, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Has there ever been a player as a fan that you have been kind of, maybe you wouldn't want to admit it, but a little happy to see get injured. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, it's 6.53. I am live at the Terwilliger Rec Center. It's the Family Day Classic, 1,400 players involved in this from novice up to bantam. Really fun four-on-four tournament going on all weekend. If you have time, you can drop by and uh, check out all the silent au- auction items. So uh, we're getting a little dark here, just for, just for a few minutes. Uh, you can text to 63630, a player you... Uh, you, you either were happy to see get injured, or you wouldn't have minded seeing... Uh, or you might have taken some joy in his injury. I, I think of most of us as sports fans, we cheer for our teams against other teams. But I think a lot of people draw the line as an actually taking uh, joy in someone else's injury. But, uh, but uh, I've said, hey, if you've ever maybe... Felt a little good that someone got hurt or didn't mind seeing them in pain? You can let me know. We'll keep it a secret. Uh, One texture says, I was happy when Tom Brady had his knee destroyed. That was, what, the first game after their uh, undefeated season where they lost the Super Bowl. Uh, This texture says, one player I have absolutely no respect for is Alexander Ovechkin. When he was younger, he obliterated Yarmir Jager. When he had his head down in center ice, he thought he was pretty cool taking out someone old enough to be his dad. Another texter says, I always wanted to see Doug Gilmore get hurt when he played with the Flames. (laughs) Another text says, I was really happy when Kyle Clutterbuck got injured by Hall. He's a sneaky player. Yeah, I remember, I think Hall got a two-game suspension for that four or five years ago, that knee-on-knee hit at center ice. Uh, this texture says, Theo Fleury, what a little goof back then. Like the guy now, though, he's a hero for coming out and making things real to the public. Oh, here's a, a 49ers fan, says Michael Irvin. And didn't, uh, didn't, um, was it in Philadelphia Michael Irvin got hurt and Eagles fans cheered as he was, t- and I think it was a pretty, that might, that might have been his career-ending neck injury, if I remember correctly. So there you go, as a 49ers fan, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. Somebody just texted in Kobe Bryant. (laughs) Somebody just says, any Calgary flame, any time. Oh, here's an interesting one. Robbie Alomar, who, in my mind, the best Blue Jay ever. Alf Samuelson, oh, there's there's a guy people hated and didn't mind to see get banged up for sure. And uh, somebody else says, Reed, Sean Avery should be the number one answer. He is a total, oh, I can't read that last word. He's a total something. All right. Oh, and this texture simply says, "Has Donald Trump ever had a sports injury?" LOL. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Kellen, who Kellen, who are you? Were saying you always disliked and wanted to see in pain? Yeah, Doug Flutie. Doug, the greatest quarter, greatest player. Yep. in Canadian football history. and You
4: hated his guts. Sole reason he was the quarterback of the Calgary Stampeders, and <laughs> then he moved and
2: became the quarterback of the. Toronto Argonauts when they were buying Grey Cup championships and yes they did buy the 97 Grey Cup read
1: they, uh, they won in 96 and in 97 obviously 96 in the snow in Hamilton over the Eskimos when Flutie fumbled and when it was blown dead and then they uh, crushed Saskatchewan at Commonwealth Stadium in the 97 Grey Cup. Speaking of Saskatchewan we'll see what's going on with Vince Young and the Rough Riders. We'll update your scoreboard It's Inside Sports live at the Terwilliger Rec Center on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad.
0: 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.